What's going on, everybody? Happy Hump Day, and welcome back to Gadget Reason Radio here on Anchor FM. My name is Sean. I'm your host, and I am going to be changing up the way I do the tech downloads uh, for the foreseeable future. So um, I've gotten a couple of uh, comments and uh, a couple of um, suggestions about changing up the format to make each individual segment or uh, tech headline a little bit quicker uh, and just getting to the point a little bit more. So I'm going to speed up the flow of each individual segment, and then I'm going to hold all of my comments about the tech news for the day till the very end. So that way, if you want to listen to my thoughts on the day's tech headlines, then you can. But if you don't want to and you just want to hear the tech news and go about your day, then you'll be able to do that in a little bit more of a fast pace uh, format. So be sure to let me know in the comments section or give me a call in and let me know what you guys think of this new format. And if you want me to keep it this way, let me know. Otherwise, if you want me to change it back, I can always go back to the old format. So let me know either way. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get started with your tech download for Wednesday, September 6, 2017. Mashable had an interesting article today talking about the insane price increases to smartphones. Now, I talked yesterday a little bit about how expensive all of the new smartphone pricing really starts to look when you consider that there are no more phone subsidies. And this article on Mashable is just discussing that a little bit more in depth. The article goes on to describe the price changes in the smartphone industry, discussing the fact that the new iPhone is supposed to come in somewhere between around $1,000 as a starting price, all the way up to about $1,200. That's almost double the $649 starting price for the iPhone 7 just a year ago. And it's not just with Apple products that we're seeing these huge smartphone price increases. If you look at the Galaxy Note 8, which was just recently unveiled and is currently available for pre-order across all major US carriers, you're looking at about a $960 price point. Now carriers, of course, will use terms like zero down or $40 a month to describe the cost of this phone. But as a smart consumer, you have to do the math and really calculate what that $40 a month calculates out to over a 24 month installment period. And $960 isn't all that much different than what you're looking at paying for a new iPhone. The Mashable article also points out the fact that it wasn't that long ago that the original iPhone was unveiled in 2007 at a cost of about 500 bucks. Of course, this is still during the time that subsidies were in place, so the carrier was going to pay for about half of the cost of your smartphone if you were willing to sign a two-year contract. Obviously, since then, a lot has changed. T-Mobile was the first carrier to do away with two-year contracts, and after holding out for about two years, other carriers started to follow suit, and now pretty much all U.S. carriers are reliant upon an installment plan to purchase an expensive device like a new smartphone. As I mentioned yesterday and in some of my previous episodes, there are still plenty of ways you can get around having an installment plan for your latest greatest smartphone being added to your cell phone bill. You have options like the Essential Phone, which is about $749, as well as something like the Xiaomi Mi Mix 2, which if available in the US, could end up falling somewhere around $500 to $600. And then of course you have the OnePlus 5, which every year is touted as the flagship killer, and that's mainly because it uses flagship specs, high build quality, and comes in usually at a price of around $400 to $550. Bucks. And so so obviously these options get you around that installment pricing cost and have you buying your phone just outright at a fairly cheaper discount. Whichever direction you decide to go, it's obvious that we all have a lot more thinking to do when it comes to how and where we're going to purchase our next smartphone. Fans awaiting the announcement of Google's annual flagship smartphone device, the Google Pixel 2, might be disappointed when they find out what processor the phone might have. About two weeks ago, one of the most reliable mobile device leakers, Evan Blast, tweeted that the Google Pixel 2 should arrive on October 5th and contain a Snapdragon 836 processor. 
That would have made the Google Pixel 2 the first US flagship smartphone to have the latest version of Qualcomm Snapdragon system on a chip, but it looks like that might not be the case. Up until this point, most flagship devices for 2017 have contained Snapdragon's 835 processor, so the Google Pixel 2 having the Snapdragon 836 would give it a nice little spec edge to some of its competition. It looks like now though, XDA developers and Android police are both reporting that the Pixel 2 will still contain the Snapdragon 835 processor, just like every other flagship smartphone to come out so far this year. Both reports still confirm that the Pixel 2 will be made by HTC and the Pixel 2 XL will be made by LG, but both flagship smartphones will contain Snapdragon 835 chipsets on board when they launch next month. This could pose as a potential disappointment for potential consumers, considering the fact that there's already rumors about how the A11 processor that should be in the new iPhone 8 already blows away the performance of the Snapdragon 835 now. It is of course possible that Qualcomm has some sort of beefed up version of the Snapdragon 835 that they're holding out for the Pixel launch, but it doesn't seem likely at this point because they've already moved on to the Snapdragon 836. Apparently a Qualcomm spokesperson declined to comment on the reports. A walkie-talkie app called Zello is now number one in the App Store due to Hurricane Irma. Zello is a free walkie-talkie app available in the iOS App Store, and it recently shot to the top of the charts as news of Hurricane Irma continues to build and people start to get concerned in the Caribbean as well as southern parts of the United States. Zello allows you to use your phone as a walkie-talkie or a two-way radio as long as you have network connection or Wi-Fi available. Users can join channels and instantly send voice messages or photos. Zello actually launched in 2011 and it's been used by rescue workers in the past. According to USA Today, a volunteer rescue group called Cajun Navy that formed after Hurricane Katrina frequently uses Zello to communicate. According to app intelligence firm Sensor Tower, Zello has seen massive increases in downloads following the announcement that Irma was indeed a Category 5 hurricane with sustained winds of upwards of 185 miles per hour. It looks like the Galaxy Note 8 is going to be the best possible smartphone experience you can get if you want to experience VR on the go. Samsung's latest flagship device that comes in at about $930 to $960 looks to be the best possible platform for VR on the go as it's compatible with not only Samsung Gear VR but also with Google's Daydream platform. When you combine the fact that the Galaxy Note 8 has one of the best smartphone displays on the market as well as enough processing power to push any kind of VR content with the fact that it is compatible with both of the two major VR platforms right out of the box, you have what looks like a great option for anybody who's looking to experience VR on the go. It is worth mentioning though that the existing Gear VR headset will not be compatible with the Note 8 as the Note 8 size is just too large to fit, so Samsung will be releasing a new version of the Gear VR that will be able to accommodate the larger handset. However, it should be able to fit just fine in the existing Google Daydream View headset. It is also worth mentioning that the Note 8 is on the short list of devices that are actually compatible with Daydream, along with the S8, the S8 Plus, the Moto Z, the Asus Zenfone AR, and of course the Google Pixel and Pixel XL. It's looking more and more likely that the new 5th generation Apple TV might get unveiled on September 12th alongside the latest iPhones. There's plenty of evidence to support the fact that a new version of the Apple TV will be unveiled alongside the new iPhones on September 12th, and it's probably also safe to assume that the new Apple TV will include things like 4K and HDR capabilities. 
Most rumors have the new Apple TV coming in sizes of 32GB, 64GB, and 128GB, as well as an increase in processor power with the new A10 Fusion chip that's currently being used in the iPhone 7. It's also very likely that the new starting price point for the Apple TV will be $200. Another possibility is that we will see some expanded content possibilities thanks to Amazon Prime and the availability of an Amazon Prime video app that's been requested for quite a while on Apple TV. For some reason, Amazon has kept the Amazon Prime video app away from the Apple TV, even though it's widely available on every other iOS-based device. With the larger storage options, we might also see an increase in the maximum size allotment for Apple TV apps, with size increases going up from a maximum of 200 megabytes up to four gigabytes, with an additional 20 gigabytes possibly being available for the on-demand allowance. Microsoft's annual Future Decoded event is slated for London from October 31st to November 1st. The Verge is reporting that based on their sources, it seems as though Microsoft will use the event to unveil at least one new Surface branded device. The most likely product to be a candidate for unveiling at the event would probably be a new version of the Microsoft Surface Book laptop. The original Surface Book was unveiled in 2015 and a slightly updated model was released in 2016. So it's definitely due for an upgrade at this point. There's also the slight possibility that Microsoft could unveil a new version of the Surface Pro with LTE connectivity, which has been requested and rumored for a while now. And Microsoft did say earlier this year that it would eventually release a version with LTE, but did not say when it would be available. So those are today's top tech headlines that I thought were most interesting. So what do I think about all this? Well, um, starting off with the smartphone pricing. I mean, listen, the smartphone pricing has been going up and up for the past few years, and uh, we're just seeing a slightly bigger jump this year than what we've seen in the past. At the end of the day, you do have a lot of options in how you go about upgrading, and you could always sell your year-old phone on eBay or somewhere like that, try to make some of the money back that way. Um, the good news is, is that phones have gotten so good that truly we don't need to upgrade every single year. So if you kept a phone that you bought last year for, I don't know, another year and a half to two years, you probably would still have a fully functioning and uh, fully capable device. So um, that's my thoughts on the smartphone pricing increases. Um, as far as the Pixel 2, uh, I'm definitely a little bit surprised. Google used to use the uh, the whole Nexus line and you know then obviously the the pixel has kind of taken its place but that whole branch of the Google arm has always been there to kind of push out this sort of reference level uh, Android device and so it's a little surprising to me that they would release um, a Snapdragon 835 version of the pixel um, when there are some phones coming out with Snapdragon 836 processors in the near future so I would have thought they would have went a little bit more aggressive and future-proofing also, the design isn't really knocking anybody's socks off right now either, um, especially with all these beautiful bezel-less screens that we're seeing like the Essential. Um, and speaking of the Essential, I, I just, uh, that is a, I can't wait to give you guys my review on that because it's a hard device to review. It's absolutely stunning and has so many qualities that make me just kind of want it. Um, I have, I already have like this sort of emotional sort of connection to it. It's a great device, but it has a lot of shortcomings and uh, I just don't know if they're gonna be able to outweigh, um, I don't know if the good is gonna be able to outweigh the bad. So uh, I'm not quite done and ready to do a review on that yet, probably sometime next week. But, um, but as far as the Pixel goes, yeah, I don't know. I'm a little bit disappointed and I'm surprised that they didn't go a little bit more um, 
a little bit just trying to be a little bit more aggressive i guess with the overall design and and also the the power that's in it so um the my thoughts on that zello app the walkie-talkie app so i i'm inter- i'm kind of confused as to how this app helps all that much i obviously i'm not in the emergency services industry so i I haven't had to you know use it myself but i'm just kind of confused if it does require a wi-fi connection or cell phone cellular towers then you know you would think in a hurricane torn city where there's probably lots of down communication lines um i don't i'm not sure how it's so useful but uh i guess i'd have to do some more research on that because i'm kind of curious to see how they're using this and it's more beneficial than just using uh, a cell phone directly so I'm, I'm not sure about that um my thoughts on the note 8 vr um one of the biggest downfalls with vr experiences right now is the screen resolution so it does make sense that if the note 8's display is as incredible as most people have said that it is then it probably does make for a pretty good vr experience but um i just i'm not that into the mobile vr thing um you know for me to enjoy a vr experience at all i kind of need the full-blown um i guess gaming experience you get with a with a computer and something like an oculus rift so the other stuff that you get on a smartphone is just a little too novel and kind of wears off pretty quickly i don't know that i'd ever spend the money on a vr headset um you know for my smartphone the Apple TV expectations, you know, I'm really hoping Apple knocks this one out of the park. Um, I have an old, you know, last the last generation Apple TV in my bedroom, and I probably would be willing to get a new Apple TV to use as my sort of cable box at this point because I did recently cut the cord and I'm using uh, a completely internet-based television solution. So um, I would probably want to have the new Apple TV if it can handle 4K and HDR. So um, hopefully Apple doesn't muck that one up. And uh, as far as the Surface event, you know, I'm always excited to see what Microsoft unveils at the Surface event because their, uh, you know, their hardware now is is basically the closest thing to compete with Apple when it comes to computers and tablets. And uh, they've really been pushing things forward the past few years. And I'm always interested to see what the next Surface device is going to look like, whether that's the Surface Pro laptop or the next Surface book. So that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you once again for everybody who continues to tune in and favorite the station. I appreciate all the applause and comments and uh, any kind of interaction from you guys. If you haven't already, please follow me on social media at Gadget Reason and be sure to tune in tomorrow for the tech download. And otherwise, I will talk to you guys then.